Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Amen. Welcome to Activate Online. Thank you so much for watching uh, this morning. This morning is one, two, our eighth Activate Online service. We're now pros at this, right? We're up to eight, which is a little bit more than perhaps some of us might have thought we would be doing. And in all honesty, we're probably looking at uh, a wee way to go yet, which is both uh, a plus and a minus. On the minus front, it's disappointing to not be able to meet in person. We were so looking forward to being able to do that, hoping this Sunday, but it didn't work out that way. But on the plus side, you know, there are a lot of people that are able to watch this video from all around the world that wouldn't be able to come along to our church in Sockburn in Christchurch. So there's pluses and minuses. Personally, I'm choosing to focus on the pluses uh, this morning. It's a special day for myself and for Liz as well, because this morning is our one year anniversary as leaders of Activate Christchurch. Uh, Tuesday the 19th, which is in a couple of days, is the actual date, but obviously the 19th last year was a Sunday. So the third Sunday in May, which is today, is our one year anniversary. And I just mentioned that not because I want a whole bunch of kudos or because I want you to send me chocolates or uh, movie vouchers or meal vouchers or cars or or anything like that, not for that reason, but because I want to say thank you uh, to you. I want to say thank you for supporting us. Uh, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for believing in us. And, and most importantly, thank you for sticking with us. You know, thank you that you are still a part of the Activate Church family. And I know that over the last 12 months, I haven't got everything right. Uh, obviously, I haven't got everything right. Uh, I'm sure there are times that I have miscommunicated things where I haven't said what I should have said or haven't done what I should have done. And I just want to thank you for extending grace to me and forgiveness to me on those occasions. Uh, I'm sure it hasn't always been easy. I feel like everybody in church deserves a t-shirt that says, I survived Josh's first year of leadership. And all I got was this crappy t-shirt, you know? Um, there's a whole bunch of people that deserve to be thanked. In fact, all of you deserve to be thanked individually. And I started to make a list so that I could do it. And then I realized, you know what? If I do this, it's just going to be 20 minutes of me reading out people's names. And that very boring. So I'm just going to say thank you to everybody. And just to let you know, too, that I'm super excited about the next 12 months. You know, the last year was very much about getting my feet under the desk, about uh, changing a few things that needed to be changed for the new season that God has for us. You know, we implemented a lot of changes at the back end of church, out in the office area, and the way that we do databases and accounts. And so a lot of that took a lot of my time and energy, but that's all done now. Uh, and the renovations are pretty much all done there as well. So we are super, like primo placed for an exciting year too. And so I'm really looking forward to share that with you as well. So thank you for sticking with us. And let's get excited about year two. Now, for this morning, um, we have been doing a series on the Ten Commandments called the Top Ten. And we'll just look at that very quickly so I can tick that off my list and we can move on to number nine next week. But I'm going to take it in a different direction this morning. Uh, but if you want to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, we are now up to commandment number eight out of the ten. And commandment number eight is just a very simple one. It says, you shall not steal. There's not really too much that I can add to this. There's not a huge amount of exposition that needs to be done. Just don't nick other people's stuff is pretty much the rule, right? Don't nick other people's stuff. And I thought about, well, you know, do I look at what's going on on the inside of people for this commandment to make sense? Like one of the things I just love about Jesus is that he just appears to me 
to be far more interested in what we've got going on on the inside than necessarily how we act on the outside. Uh, and so the Bible says, don't murder, which is a very good rule. And Jesus says, yep, yeah, don't murder, but Let's not just leave it at don't murder. Let's have a conversation about what's going on inside of you that would lead you on a path where you might consider doing something like that. The Bible says don't commit adultery, another great rule. And Jesus says don't commit adultery, but let's talk about your heart. What's going on in your heart that you would even consider doing that with that person? Um, you know, what I love about Jesus is that he understands that the way we act is symptomatic of what we've got going on on the inside. And he loves us and he cares about us. He's not interested in just forcing us to behave a certain way. He wants to set us free from what's going on on the inside of us. And so he's not interested in controlling how we act. He's not. What he wants to do is set us free on the inside so that we're not a slave to certain urges or desires or patterns of behavior or addictions or things like that. And so I thought about, well, you know, do we look at that? Do we go into, well, what's going on on the inside of someone that they would, you know, be stealing from other people? But I don't want to do that this morning because I want to get a little bit more topical this morning because of a few things that have happened over the last week. And so rather than bringing in awareness of what's going on on the inside of us that might lead us to steal which to be honest is not a huge issue that I'm aware of in too many people's lives in church. What I want to do is bring an awareness of the fact that there is someone that is stealing from us. Uh, and so this morning I want to highlight a problem and then I want to bring a solution and I'm going to get a little bit challenging this morning. And there may be people watching that feel convicted. There may be people watching that feel like he is just talking directly to me. I want you to know that I am not addressing anyone individually. I would never use the pulpit, quote unquote, to have a discussion with someone. If I have an issue with someone, I will come to you and say, hey, we need to talk about this. But I will be highlighting behaviors. I will be highlighting thought processes that apply to a lot of us. So if you're feeling in any way singled out, don't. You are with a large group of people because I think this is an issue that all of us, including me, have had to deal with. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is speaking and he says this, talking about the enemy. He says this, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So Jesus says this about the enemy. He says, this is why the enemy exists. This is why the enemy comes. This is what the enemy is all about. He has an agenda. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill what you carry and he wants to destroy you. I said a couple of weeks ago that one of Eve's biggest mistakes was that she engaged with the devil when it comes to the conversation. That as soon as she saw that he was the enemy, she should have just picked up a rock and thrown it in his face. You know, I thought about creating creating a meme, you know, um, when you see the devil, just hit him in the face with a rock or something like that. If the devil comes to you and starts whispering in your mind and getting you to think down a certain pathway or challenging what you feel about this or making suggestions into your life, and you're thinking, why would he do that? Like, what's his agenda? Jesus makes it very clear. He's come to steal from you. He's come to kill what you carry, and he's come to destroy your life. That is all that he is about. That is what he exists for. That it's what he's been doing for uh, thousands of years to billions of people, stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, the interesting thing about this, and this is where our problem is, 
is that the Greek word for steal in this context is klepto, which is where we get the word kleptomaniac from, right? Which is someone that steals. The, the intricacies of this Greek word is that it implies a cunningness. It implies a slyness or a stealth even. What it means is that the devil steals, but he does it in such a way that we do not even know he has stolen from us. He is very subtle. He's very sly. He gets in, he steals, he leaves. We're not aware that it's happened. Uh, and so the problem that I want to highlight this morning, and I am putting myself in this category, is that I believe, particularly over the last six weeks, but even um, even relevant to the last seven days, I've seen an escalation of this in the last week, definitely, that I believe the devil has got into into our world and he has stolen some things and we need to wake up to it. So the problem is this, the devil is trying to steal from us. And unless we are aware of it, and unless we can understand how to prevent him from doing it, he's going to nick off with our stuff. Um, when I was a kid, uh, we had someone break into our car. We got up in the morning and we went out onto the road and that smashed a window. And so we're like, oh no, someone's broken into our car. And it wasn't immediately obvious what they'd stolen until we went through our stuff and opened the glove box and we realized, oh, they have nicked our Sony Walkman. Because like, remember back in the day before you had CD players and cars, you could get a Sony Walkman, stick a bit of Velcro to the bottom of it, put a bit of Velcro on the dashboard of your car and whack your Sony Walkman there. And then you'd get that tape with the cord and you'd plug the cord into the, um, the headphone jack of the CD player and then you'd put the tape into your cassette player and your car would play what you had in your CD. It is still to this day one of the pieces of tech that blows my mind the most. I mean, forget the fact that we can go into space. Forget the fact that we can clone animals or whatever. How the heck does that tape play what the CD's playing based on a headphone jack? I just, I cannot understand it. It still blows my mind. And so they nicked that out of our car. Uh, but here's the thing, we knew we'd been robbed. We knew that something was missing because the window had been smashed. And so we were able to go through and look at our possessions, in that case, that were in the car, and identify what was missing because the window was smashed. That's not how the devil operates. He's far more cunning. He's far more stealthy. And the vast majority of times that he nicks something of us, we're not even aware that it's missing. And because we don't know that it's missing and we don't know that we've been robbed, we don't look for what's missing. When I was a kid a couple of years later, about 12 or 13, and I'll give you the short version of the story, even though the long version is primo. The short version of the story is that when I was about 12 or 13, I cut the top of my little finger off. And I had to go to hospital and I had to get it sewed back on and I had to get a pin that got put right down my finger so they could reconstruct the bone around it because the bone was crushed. And when I got home after spending the day in hospital getting my finger all, all tied up and stitched back together and all that kind of stuff, I was in quite a lot of pain. I can still remember lying on the couch in my lounge and the, um, you know, the anesthetic started to wear off and the shock had worn off. And I, was, I just sat there and cried for like two hours because my hand just hurt so much. Well, the next day, uh, a box of chocolates arrived for me from my auntie in Timaru, Auntie Sue. And it was a beautiful box of chocolates and it wasn't one of the ones with like roses where everything's individually wrapped. It was one of those really fancy ones where you open up the box and on the inside lid's got all the different types of chocolates and then there's like a beautiful tray, kind of almost in velvet but plasticky. And you can just sit there and go, oh, what's this one? Oh, it's, oh, it's a caramel one. Oh, oh yes, oh, that's very nice. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. What about this square one? What's this one? Oh, it's fudge. You know, it was one of those boxes of chocolates, right? 
getting carried away for a second. And my mum said to me, she said, Josh, you don't have to share that because you chopped your finger off. And I thought, yeah, that's even. Like, that's fair, I'll chop my finger off, don't have to share a box of chocolates, but okay, I mean, I'm not going to lift a, look a gift horse in the mouth. So I took my chocolates back to my bedroom, and I said to my family, none of this is for you, I'm not sharing any of it. I chopped my finger off, I'm going to eat these chocolates. Well, I decided to try and spread this out, because this is a very special treat for me, and I decided to try and make it last as long as I could. So I didn't wolf the whole lot down, I'd go in, I'd have one, and then maybe at the end of the day I might treat myself to another one. Well, after three or four days... There, it seemed like there were less chocolates in the box left than there should have been. But I knew that that wasn't the case because my family wouldn't steal my chocolates. Um, but by the end of the week, I became convinced that someone was nicking my chockies. And so I, I had like a bit of a mini intervention. I took my box of chocolates out to the family. I said, who's eating my chocolates? Look at him. I've been not eating this many chocolates. There's not enough chocolates. This one of you is eating him. And everyone swore black and blue that it wasn't them. And I didn't know what was going on. I started to question my own sanity. And then one day I went into my bedroom and I caught the culprit. It was my golden retriever called Quest. He was going into my bedroom. He was flipping the box open with his nose. And then he was having a wee sniff around. And here's the wild. He was picking one chocolate, grabbing it out of the box. I don't even know how he did it with his tongue. He would eat that one chocolate and then close the lid and then leave. And he did it every day for like five days. Like, have you ever heard of a dog doing that? Just going and picking one chocolate. It's a very smart dog. Smarter than me. And so eventually, eventually, I cottoned on that it was him. But that's how the devil operates. He's so sneaky. He goes in, he takes it, he closes the lid. You don't even know that he was there. And the problem is that because we don't know that he's stolen from us, uh, we don't know how to protect ourselves or how to get it back. And guys, this week... I have seen a lot of stuff uh, on social media that has grieved me. It has grieved me because I feel like as Christians, we are missing an extraordinary opportunity to show the world what it looks like to go through something intense with the power of Jesus Christ inside of you. You know, I feel like we've missed an opportunity or are very close to missing an opportunity to show our friends and our family who don't know Jesus, hey, this is what someone who has Jesus who is in a relationship with the creator of the universe, processes something like this. They should be looking at us and going, you know what, we're going through the same thing, and yet I'm losing my mind and you have peace. Help me understand why you are responding the way that you're responding. And yet that's not happening because we're not responding any differently to anybody else. I am seeing Christians losing their mind this week about the fact that, you know, the, the COVID-19 uh, public health response bill came out and it got rushed through parliament. And yes, is that dodgy? Yes. Uh, and no. I mean, let me just say that everything the government did, it did democratically in that there were provisions in the law for them to do what they did. Now, they took advantage of those. And I know even the Human Rights Commission has come out and said, look, we've got concerns about how this was handled. And I have said publicly this is not good enough. Like they have known about the move to level two for weeks, if not months, and they wait until 72 hours beforehand to like rush this bill through parliament. It's not good enough. It's not acceptable. And I have significant concerns about how they have handled this situation. But that is separate to what the bill itself actually says. And the amount of hysteria 
I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, hysteria that has come not just my way, but the way of a number of different pastors from their congregant members about what this means for our religious freedoms has just been, quite frankly, over the top. It's been wildly over the top. It has not been how we should react as Christians. The Bible says, uh, and Jesus said it in Matthew, right? Do not worry. Do not worry. Timothy, um, not Timothy, sorry, Paul says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. There is there is no uh, conclusion that you can draw from what you have seen this week other than the fact that we have a lot of worried, anxious, scared Christians. And that is not how we should be. The Bible says he did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We are not acting the way that Christians should be acting. So, and this is true for me. I'll tell you, when Jacinda came out on Monday and said, hey, we're not going to be able to meet together in churches, maximum group of 10, I was depressed. And do you know what was stolen from me in that moment? Hope. Hope was stolen from me in that moment. And joy was stolen from me in that moment. And I didn't even realize that the devil had come in and nicked it. Right? I was so busy focusing on what I couldn't have and what this didn't mean and that we wouldn't be able to share our one year anniversary together and that I wanted to catch up with my friends. I didn't realize that he'd come in, opened the box, grabbed it out, flipped the box shut and left again. Didn't even realize. Uh, and so I am as guilty as anybody else. I'm not sitting here saying, hey, you, you guys are bad. And I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else. But guys, we have allowed ourselves to be ripped off. We have allowed ourselves to be robbed. So let's just really quickly take an inventory of what we have. This is what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, we should have inside of us as Christians. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If you don't have this, then maybe it's because it's been stolen from you this week. Love. Joy. They got stolen from me. Peace. My goodness, how many Christians have I seen lose their peace this week? Patience, kindness, goodness. I'm reading this from the list right out of the Bible. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of those things are you overflowing with at the moment? Or is there a chance that maybe some of those were stolen from you this week? The good news is that you can get those back. They're not gone forever. The problem we have at the moment is that the devil is running riot. He's stealing from everybody and none of us are noticing what he's doing. The solution is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 Verse 13 and 14. Let me read it to you. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And verse 14 says this. Do everything in love. I love the way that the Passion Translation puts this. It says, remember to stay alert and hold firmly to all that you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. And here's verse 14 again. Let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. Guys, we have an amazing opportunity here in this season at this time to really shine. And I've said this so many times. The Bible says, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In this season, in this season, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. I am grieved in my spirit because I have seen so many people say things and do things on social media that are not motivated in love and kindness. 
That's it's motivated out of fear. It's motivated out of anger. It's motivated out of frustration. It's motivated out of disappointment. And I understand it. I have felt disappointed. I have felt frustrated. I have felt angry. But we cannot respond out of those things. You know, I went down to church on Tuesday and I was feeling just really after the announcement on Monday, I was frustrated. You know, I was like, God, I feel helpless in this situation. What do we do? You know, there are different people that are saying, let's do church anyway. Let's, you know, revolution, Uh, which I, I don't believe is what God is calling us to do in this season. In fact, I would argue that you would struggle to see an example in the Bible where Jesus or any of the apostles uh, encourage people to go down that route. I mean, the first century Christians were incredibly persecuted. I mean, we think we're persecuted. Oh, you can't have church on Sundays for eight weeks. And by the way, we'll pay your pastor's salary so that once the persecution ends, you can get your church back up and running. I don't think we're being persecuted. Um, you know, we're not being burned at the stake. We're not being driven underground. We're not having our families torn apart. This is what the first century church is going through. You know, half of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote from prison because he was being imprisoned for his faith. And yet you cannot find anything in there about Paul saying, guys, come and break me out. It's time to rise up. It's time for a revolution. Let's overthrow the government. The emperor is the devil. It's not in there. In fact, even more awkwardly, it's the opposite. It's like, hey, submit to your authority. Make every effort to live in peace with you know, the people around you. Jesus said that when you are persecuted, which I don't even know if we are being persecuted. I think there's persecution coming eventually. But if this is how we freak out that we can't meet on a Sunday morning while the government pays our salaries, church workers, imagine how we're going to handle it if we actually do get persecuted. I'm not sure we've necessarily passed the test that well. But even Jesus said, when you are persecuted, rejoice. Like it's a blessing. Blessed are those who persecuted. Uh, You know, we should be happy about it. So there's just a lot about the way that we are responding at the moment that is not healthy. It's not biblical. It's not the way that we should be handling things. And it's a terrible witness for those that are around us. Anyway, I went down to church on Tuesday and I'll finish with this. I put on some really loud music, like real loud, like so loud that the, the desk was going up into the orange. Don't tell Ash. It was going into the orange buttons. And I had this loud music on and I was praying and I was yelling and I was getting fired up. And I was like, God, what do I do? You know, how do I lead the church through this? There's just so much stuff going on. There's so many opinions. There's so many voices. There's so much a distraction. How do I lead the people of church? Lead the people of church through this. And I heard God say, not an audible voice, but it just dropped straight into my spirit. And I recognize God's voice when I hear it in my spirit. He said, "Josh, the most aggressive thing you can do right now is push into me." And so that is my encouragement for each and every one of us this week. If you want to get aggressive, if you want to get fired up, if you want to you know, make a difference, if you're carrying a righteous anger and all of that stuff is great, I'm telling you the most aggressive thing you can do is not post on Facebook about how dark you are at the government. The most aggressive thing you can do is not, you know, tag different people in different theories around Jacinda's communist background or whatever it might be. No, the most aggressive thing you can do, the thing that will achieve more than anything else, the thing that will shift uh, uh, this nation is for us to push into God like we have never done before. You need to understand, and I'm saying this to everybody, that, that our relationship with God is also under attack. That is also what the devil is trying to steal from us. And when you open your Bible and you read it, it is an act of war. 
when you get down on your knees and you pray, it is an act of war. When you put on worship music and you sing to him, it is an act of war. The most aggressive thing you can do in this season is to pursue God in a way that you never have before. And so that is my message to you this morning. We have a problem. The problem is that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking at him he may devour. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is trying to separate us from our source of power. And that source of power is Jesus Christ. And the solution to this battle that we are facing is to be on our guard, to stand firm in the faith, to be strong, to be courageous, and to let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that we do, and to pursue Him in a way that we never have before. Um, I want to see, as your pastor, as your leader, I want to see the people that I am responsible with, not for, responsible with, I want to see us leading the way in this, I want to see us leading the way. Like this is how you reveal Jesus Christ to the world around you. When things are darkest, we shine the brightest. When we are going through things together as a community, this is how you keep your peace. This is how you keep your joy. This is how you keep your patience. Can we do that this week, church? Can we be the light this week? Can we be the example to our friends and our families and the world? Can we point people to God so that they praise our Father in heaven? I love the idea that I can conduct myself in such a way that people that don't even know God go, well, I'd like to, because if he's anything like who Josh says he is, if he can help Josh act in the way that Josh acts and believe what Josh believes and function the way he functions and treat people the way he treats people, then I'd like to be a part of that. Like, what is there a single greater endorsement or vote of confidence than for someone to say, I want to follow God because of what I see you doing and how you live your life? That's what we should be doing. You know, it's not about telling people Jesus did this and if you pray this prayer, it's just living a life of a disciple and people going, I want what you have. Can we do that this week? All right, I'm going to leave it there. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone watching this video, but in particular, Lord, I pray for the people that you have entrusted to us, to Liz and myself. I pray for the people that call Activate Christchurch home. Lord, I pray for your wisdom to lead well in this season. God, I pray that you would open our eyes. I pray you would open our ears and our hearts. Lord, that you would reveal your plan for us in this season. And Father, we just repent as a church for, for not putting you first on the times we haven't put you first, Lord, for listening to other voices, God, to not prioritizing our relationship with you, God. And Lord, I pray for every single person watching that you would ignite in them again, Lord, a hunger and a passion and a desire to spend time with you, Lord. Let us understand. Um, Father, give us an understanding of what happens when we connect with you, of how just incredibly powerful that is. And, and even as I'm praying, guys, I've just got a picture of, of you know, us opening our Bible and just light bursting out of it. You know, putting on worship music and just light bursting out of the speakers that, that we are the light of the world and that light comes through our connection with Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we just recommit again our commitment to you. Um, and that we want to follow you and we want to be like you and we want to just do what we see you doing. And so, Lord, would you be with us this week? Strengthen us. Help us to live the way that you want us to live, God. In Jesus' name, amen.